Hello and welcome to the Truck and Driver podcast. My name is Dougie Rankin and I'm joined by a new guest today, Team Truck and Driver member Niall Barker. Niall, welcome to the TD podcast. Hi, uh, Dougie, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I'm actually, but um, I felt I was driving a truck all last week and I've been working from home writing about stuff today and I fell asleep there. I'm notorious. I don't know, I can't avoid having like naps like late in the afternoon and things and it's horrible because you fall asleep for like about an hour and a half and then wake up and it's just like yeah it can't get going <laughs> it can't get going at all like a zombie and I don't understand why that happens probably because I drink too much coffee in the morning but anyway I've woken up now yeah. <laughs> in the process I'm just off the phone from attempting to buy a car from someday as well not that I need it but I want it for YouTube content so I'm going to Leicester tomorrow to buy another car not another Cavalier that you're after no, 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 it's not enough Cavalier. I've got enough Cavaliers on board to buy Vauxhalls now. Vauxhalls are very often overpriced for what I want now. So the last thing I bought was a Saab. Next thing I'm buying is a Cadillac. Very nice. Sounds interesting. Yeah, well, nobody knows what it is because obviously it's so random, but there's a Cadillac that was made in the Saab factory. So it's got a lot of Vauxhall underpinnings, and this one happens to have the VXR engine in it. So it's 255 brake. And it's also cheap as shit. It's 2,095 quid for this thing. And if you want a Vectra in the equivalent spec, it'd be about seven grand. So I'm going to go down to Leicester tomorrow night and go and pick it up. And uh, go and uh, just see what it's like and get YouTube content off the back mm-hmm. of it. It's a Cadillac BLS. Nobody's ever heard of them and they weren't a great success, which makes it all the more interesting. So I... That's what I'm doing, yeah. but of course now you, I mean, one of the notable things about your diaries and trucking driver and things is that the phenomenal distance that you cover, because you are quite often racking up some of the highest kilometres I've seen of anybody, you know, you're from the very north of Scotland down to the south of England and, and things like that, so how come you're at home on a Monday night then? Are you usually away all week? No, not usually. I usually range between two or three nights a week, although uh Sometimes I'm out all week. I've been, I've been in the job. Well, I've been in the tramping job two years now, and I've had to do a full week away, sort of twice. And mm-hmm. well, the second time was last week actually. Tell us about your journey with lorry driving. Then, how did you get into that? Is it something you've always done? Um, you know, or did you move into it? You're like, I oh, fancy a bit of that, and then end up going and doing it. No, I've uh, pretty much all. Well, going going with my dad when I was little. He's he's still about driving. He's uh, yeah, he's still driving full time, and then. Never used to see him when we were away because my mum and dad separated. Like, but then uh, mm-hmm. used to go with him in the summer holidays, and then it was just you know sort of something I picked up, and then uh, here we are, still mad for it. And, yeah, yeah it's, you know, it's, I wonder how devastating this is going to this is to the industry that kids just can't get out in the trucks very easily with their parents anymore, because so many of the most dedicated drivers, the guys that really get it. You know, the ones that are like so heavily committed have got some sort of family connection and will be able to go out in the trucks and pick it up and everything. What was it your, where, what was it your dad was driving and what sort of places did you used to go? Way back when, when I was little, he had a uh, yeah, one of the first FXFs running containers and then uh, swapped over General Haulage, I think in 2006, I believe it was. Again, used to go here, there and everywhere. Spent a lot of time on the road in the summer holidays and things like that. So when did, when did you pass your test? March of 2019, it was. Good time to get in, get, get settled a bit before all the COVID stuff kicked in anyway. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd just got nicely into it and then uh, everything sort of went a bit, well, a bit up-like. Mm-hmm. What, did you, what did you start off doing? 
what before I started truck driving? Uh, well, when you, when, when you were driving, well, both I guess, because I mean, a lot of times you've got to fill in a bit of time before you can drive lorries. I know you could pass a test at eighteen, but that's not <laughs> often possible for a lot of people, you know. Yeah, well, I uh, finished college at eighteen, and then couldn't couldn't afford to do my test at the time, so uh, ended up uh, ended up driving a Sprinter van delivering parcels. So you know, start from the bottom type of thing. Yeah. And then you moved it when you finally did you set off to save up the money? Yeah, yeah, so said to myself and then, uh, mm-hmm. you know, did all my theories myself. I think from starting with my theories, that was in November, and then I passed my class one in the end of March. So it wasn't massively long in the grand scheme of things. No, it's not bad going because it does cost, you know, several thousand pounds now to go through Dorlis. And it's been, it was made increasingly difficult for a good couple of years there by the lack of test appointments available because, you know, the DVSA decided to down tools during the pandemic and were very slow to get back when, you know, the whole rest of the industry was back at it, you know. I dodged, I dodged a bullet on that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what did you start out doing uh, when you were driving? Yeah. What was your first job? Uh, first job was uh, working nights for a, uh, for a supermarket for the range in, in, a, in a DAF CF. Doing store deliveries, then uh, odd time doing used to do night trunks like to the docks or down to separate DCs. It, it, you know, wasn't actually a bad place to get get your experience in and uh, learn your way around. Yeah, some of the night shift work I was preferred to the day shift um, when I was starting out. People don't realise there's an entire alternate reality going on um, in the world of transport, where it's just as busy at night, if not busier at times in certain certain sectors than it is than it is during the day you know it's it, it's amazing when you're on the road at like two three o'clock in the morning and you're sitting in a big convoy of trucks or as is often the case now stuck in a great big queue because they've shut the motorway i'll say that much Do, doing night shift it lets you learn the the shortcuts when the motorway shut. I've, I've had to use a couple of them now yeah that's it you, you need to you need to build up your geography i've mentioned it in the podcast before that we should have driver cpc classes for geography as in the road network to explain to people you know this is the m40 the m42 the m6 and th- these are the roads that are run alongside it and the ways that you can get round things when it's blocked these are your alternate routes because you see it like all the time guys who guys who've not picked up like the geography will just drive into the back of a queue in the motorway no matter how bad it is because they just don't have any knowledge of how to get round it and i don't know about you but i've always got google maps running 24, any time I'm out in a truck, even though it's car nav, it gives you live traffic data, and if you don't have that in the truck, so whenever you see that big red line, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm getting, I'm navigating past this, I don't care if it takes me five minutes longer, as long as I keep moving and I'm not sitting in stationary traffic for an hour. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same, I mean, I don't, well, yeah, I have, uh, I've got a truck nav in the truck and it has the uh, live traffic in it, but then uh, with, oh, it's usually, it's usually the same sort of spots that snarl up, so you know your ways around them. So where are you? Ba- so where are you based out of? You're in Yorkshire. Yeah, I'm uh, based just just outside of Goole in uh, East Yorkshire. Oh, I was down there um, a few weeks ago at John Petch. Oh yeah, I, Egg- know, I know Egg- them well. Eggborough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't actually for trucking driver. It was one of my moonlighting jobs to <laughs> doing a write up for Bulk and Tipper. Yeah, I know, I know them well. They're not too far away from my house. Ah, yeah, I was right in your doorstep then. Hey. Aye. So you been, so you started off doing all the night shift stuff and everything for the range. Where did you move to for there? Yeah, from the, I was from there. I was there eighteen months, possibly two years, and then uh, yeah, two years. And then uh, speaking of tippers, the uh, one of the happened to bump into a guy and he was looking for a driver. And then I was kind of getting a bit bored because uh, we didn't go very far with the supermarket work. Like I'd done everywhere. Yeah, you, you, you do get that kind of, you know, that itch to kind of go further afield. 
uh, and yeah. explore different places. You know, it starts to you know, it gets exciting when you're going to, you're going further further ahead. So was it Tipper's that you went on to next? Yeah, yeah, went on to doing grain work. I got you know, I got chatting with the guy, and he says, you know, it's uh, you know, it's not nights out and and all that. But then I'd, I'd done a bit of tramping covering when I was when I was for the range there because they had a they had a couple of tramper vehicles at the yard where it was based, and then. Uh, and he says, you know, it's, tra- it's tramping work, it's something different, and the big clincher was you get your own truck, whereas I was sharing at the first place. Yeah, that, de- that definitely makes a, makes a difference. It's hard going when you're on uh, truck sharing, unless you're in one of those scenarios where you've got, like, two guys on a four-on, four-off or whatever, and they both really look after the look after the truck. If it's fleet motors are getting passed around everybody, it's, it, it's not ideal if you're into keeping the truck like tidy and everything like that. And you know, it's nice yeah. to have a full setup of stuff as well. It's, it, it takes me, and I completely fill the car with stuff when I'm going away for a week to go and rig the truck out because all the stuff that I need. So, <laughs> yeah, mine wasn't so bad because we had uh, well, the trucks were 24 hours, so we had one day driver and one night driver that shared the truck. Like, but then if one of us took a day off, they'd uh, they'd have an agency guy in it. And oh yeah, yeah. mayhem, you know. Yeah. Muddy boots in the middle of the floor for some reason. Mm. Grease everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, what were you driving there then? It was a 2015 MAN TGX with the the midsize cab on it. Oh yeah, the XLX, yeah. Yeah, and it had the it had the hammock in in it as well, rather than a top bunk, which I hadn't seen before. Ah, no, so I don't think I've seen one of them with a hammock in it. What was that? A four forty or a four eighty? It was a four forty. Ah, the, yeah, right. with the electronic gearbox. That'll have been a bit basic then. Mm, well, it, it made you think. We'll see. Oh, well, right. See, run, running max weight with a low powered truck, it does it does learn you how to drive a bit better. Yeah, I remember Pollock had a load of them, probably slightly older than that when I was there, and you would get a different truck every day coming in to do day shift there. And if you had the four forty MANs or the four fifty Actrosses, and for some reason they had a few Volvo FH five hundreds. Which, I mean, obviously that was the thing you want because it was like night and day compared to the other ones. They were so much more powerful and everything. Eh? But yeah, the, the those early Airstronic gearbox were part of my early sort of... And I feel rightful hatred of automatic gearboxes. It wasn't until like sort of at Drummond's when I started driving sort of 08 plate um, Volt version sort of three Volvo FHs. That was like, oh yeah, this is all right. This actually works properly because before that, I was like, I want a manual. I want a manual like all the time. But you know, yeah. that's you know, that's a that's um, a hard working truck at forty four tons of a four forty MANs. You know, but that's good though. You need a bit of learning curve. You need to drive something that you know could be better. So you appreciate something decent when it comes along. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't wasn't actually a bad truck. I I did kind of like it, but then it was my first well. Well, the DAF was my first truck, really, but then that was my first sort of proper one that was mine, if you get me. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it did, you know, did the job fair enough. You know, just had to get up a bit earlier because, you know, by the time you got to the top of Windy Hill, everyone had caught you up. <laughs> yeah, mm. there were, were only, I think there were only, there were only like 10.4 litre engines or something, those ones, yeah, so they weren't like the, weren't like the biggest. Well, the updated version of the ones that gave them all the trouble back in back in the day sort of euro four euro early euro five when they were using egr only rather than adblue your one would have had adblue on it i guess yeah yeah it did yeah they were a lot they were a lot better in terms of reliability but um still still only a small capacity engine so yeah so how, how long did you do the, the tippers for take you quite enjoyed that you get to go mm-hmm. get to go a bit further afield yeah yeah it were, it were a bit of fun you know got to do uh, all the farms and that and it was grain go, going into mills and you know the so, so like interesting of like how you you know how you take the raw stuff into the mills, then coming out the other side, the 
you know they're taking the flour and stuff out in in the in their own trucks like and then uh, i didn't i didn't actually do that for ve- for very long because the uh the job come up at, at dean's where i'm at now i see i see so that's your third job so um i so the one that you're at at the moment um when did you start there because that was when you started writing updates and team trucking driver yeah no uh, just over two years ago it was uh two aprils ago Aye, so on that job, that job you've got a fair bit of variety, ain't you? Because you've got different trailers, different things that you do, and obviously, you know, you, you get some seriously impressive weeks in terms of the distance that you do. Yeah, yeah. Say, you know, say Monday afternoon, you could be uh, could be down bottom side of Cornwall, and then, uh, well, when Wednesday morning, you're in the Highlands somewhere. Yeah, that's good. That. Yeah, I like it's a bit, bit of fun. Yeah, I like a bit of mileage. Like whenever I'm out, I'm like, I always like to be sent somewhere. If you're racking up the hours on the road driving. Especially if you're on like decent roads and everything, that's that you know that's well that's what I want personally. And I know some guys are like, yeah, you want to get onto this job because you never have to do anything. You just sit about all day, and I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. You know, be... obviously you don't want to be you don't want to be chased to the point where you're maxing everything out and you're stressed that you can still do it legal. But if you're really getting some good distance on it, you know, by all means, bring it on. Yeah, I mean, well, I've been I've been on locals today, so I've been kind of chit. You know, chasing all day, not not doing very much. But then I have uh, I've got a I've got a trip going tomorrow, which I'm looking forward to. Where you got tomorrow? Yeah, I've got uh, two in Perth and uh, two in Dundee to deliver. So uh, nice, nice trip out. It's, it's well, be, be the first time I've been north of the border for I think a month, really. Uh, that, uh, that'll be good. Like you know, it's it, it's nice driving in the more northerly parts of the country, even like more north of England. Well, most people, I mean, you know that the further south you go, the busier it gets and the worse the worse it gets in terms of traffic and cameras and all that kind of stuff. Have you ever been to Chichester? It's down near Goodwood on the south coast. Yeah, I've I've been to Chichester itself, but I've been. Uh... If you've been uh, round, I loaded near there with a flatbed. Yeah, if you've been round Chichester on the Chichester Bypass, well, the Chichester Bypass needs a bypass. Uh, as I've been down there twice the last two times with Broughtons, and the traffic around that place is just unbearable. There was actually a crash the last time I was down as well, and it was just, the traffic was just nuts. And I don't, I don't really get why it's so bad route, bad around that area. I mean, I, I I don't know is it if it's London commuter traffic going a long way, long way or what. But that's got to be one of the worst bits that I've encountered in that. But I mean, whether you go like sort of whether you sort of go like north or south. I mean, you're doing like what cutting ciders, flatbeds, bit of tanker work as well. Yeah, so when when I first started for him, it was curtain cider only, and then. Uh, after a bit, got trained up on the tankers. Then uh, we well just recently put the two flatbeds on the road, so it's you know it's a nice bit of change. Aye, what you you're <laughs> shifting all sorts of different stuff about the place, eh? Yeah, any anything and everything really. If it if it goes on a trailer, we'll haul it. <laughs> so what lorry have you got there? You always had the same lorry. No, when I uh, first started, I got a sixty-three plate version three Volvo, which Get, was getting real uh, now. Because mm. because obviously they only go to Euro five. I'm mean, another ten years old now, but I would think if this whole bollocks with Euro six and Euler's zones hadn't kicked in so heavily, I reckon there'd be more things like V three Volvos still knocking about because people would not have got rid of them because they liked them. Yeah, it, it was a, it was a good truck, really. I mean, it, well, did had a few adventures in it, did a load of miles in it, and didn't really didn't really put too much wrong. But then uh, come the time we got rid of it, it was it was starting to get a bit tired. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Chopped it in, and now I've got an eight, an eighteen plate uh, version four five hundred. 
Very good all-rounder of a truck. Is that an XL or a normal Globetrotter? Yeah, no, he's just just a normal Globetrotter, that one. Mm-hmm. So how, 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 do you, how do you get on? How do you find the, uh, the version 4 Volvo? It's a, very, it's a very nice place to be. It's a nice place to work. It's a nice place to live. Sort of, you know, does everything I need it to do. Yeah, I find with the Volvo, with the Swedish trucks, they just tend to work. You know, they just tend to do things. You don't have to second guess them and you're not like fighting against them and, you know... Everything's pretty well set, pretty well set up for you. The five hundred will be, you know, they they all tend to go well as well. What was your V three? Was that a five hundred as well? Yeah, it, well, it was originally a five hundred, but then it yeah. we had it uh, remapped up. I think it was about a six ten or something, but Ooh. whatever, whatever, it, whatever it was, it whatever it was, it went well. <laughs> that, yeah, that would be nice. That because we're safely out the warranty period as well, so fill your boots. I've never mm. actually, I've never actually driven a remap truck. I'd be quite curious to see what some of the some of them are like because the performance increases are quite you know substantial, and mm. it's not always about you know performance as well. It improves like the torque and the fuel economy and all that and all that. So yeah, yeah, yeah you can say that. Well, it had it had plenty of go at it, but then say if you're you know, you're dragging twenty five ton of aggregates right to the, right to the top of Scotland up to John O'Groats way on like you know you kind of kind of need the big power to get up get up yeah. the hills. You because know, you just come off a hairpin bend, then you're straight up like a twenty percent drag. You know, you need what you need all you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it went well that thing. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it you, was a good truck. I was sad, you, sad to see it go. Yeah, did you you had one of the turbo compounds in demo as well, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I did. I had that for a fortnight. That I I not long started for Dean's then. What was that? Four sixty. Yeah, four sixty turbo compound. That was an XL, and uh, it was a bit plain on the outside, but on the inside, it was it was fully spec'd up. Yeah, because the, the turbo compound engines, it's not the horsepower figure you need to look at, it's the torque, because I think the 460 has got like 2,700 newton metres of torque, which mm. is more than most people's top spec standard five 500-plus unit. So, But it produces it over like a really narrow power band. It like comes in at like 800 RPM to like 1,100 RPM. So it needs to sit in the motorway quite a long time to get the full benefit. benefit out. Yeah. Did you find much difference having the XL to the normal one? And how did the five? How did the four sixty compare to your normal five hundred? Yeah, I mean, for the uh, for the cab space, I didn't actually realise it was an XL until I uh, seen a picture of it come up in my memories a bit, and I realised the cab was a bit taller. Yeah, they're hard to look. If you look at them side by side, you've got to kind of focus a bit. It's not immediately obvious, like a space cab XF or like an XL XMAN, where you like you can clearly see the difference in the cab. The Volvo, you can tell once you know what you're looking at, but it's not like immediately obvious. Yeah, then there. Uh, well, power. Power figure wise, it actually wasn't. It wasn't a million miles behind what the five hundred is. Say, if you're com- coming up Stainmore on the sixty six. There's uh, a, a you know full full load of ag- ags on about forty three and a half half ton usually. It's say you're probably you know two maybe three mile an hour behind a five hundred. Yeah, it's not in, in the grand scheme of things. It ain't really much, and it it was a lot better on fuel over the course of the week as well. Yeah, most of the people that have them, if they're if they're spec, if they're on the right job where they're getting like a good bit of motorway miles on them, they seem to be really good fuel wise. I wonder there are other turbo compound engines out there, like the the big Mercedes engine, the top spec one. That's actually turbo compound, and I I do wonder uh, if maybe the likes of DAF might look at it in the future future going forward as well. But I don't know. That's just speculation on my part. <laughs> Speaking of, what do you what do you reckon to? I've seen I know a couple of people that have got the XGs, but I haven't driven one myself. Oh uh, yeah, well get to get to that. Yeah, because last yeah. week I have spent the week with a DAF XG 
Which is a weird story because we were posting it on social media and saying it had been supplied. It had come indirectly via Kel truck because there was some, I don't know, some freight transport association dinner where there was like a hundred hauliers at it and a raffle and Watts trucking van, the DAF dealer, put this DAF up as a raffle prize for a week thinking a haulier were going to win it. Kel truck won it, or a Scania dealer. What are Kel truck going to do with a DAF? Well, they got in touch with, it, with me and said, would you like this DAF for a week? And as I haven't had the opportunity to work a new shape DAF, I was like, hell yeah, go for it. But the interest, this XG was a proper oddball. It's a long wheelbase tag. So it's basically a four by two tractor unit with a rear steering tag axle on it. Um, with the tag up, you didn't feel it like nodding at all. But you also didn't get that really sharp cut in when you were reversing. Because normally with a tag, I would overcook it when I was reversing. But, you know, because they move so quickly, you can bring it back. But, yeah, phenomenal inside. The top lockers aren't that big on it. You can't fit that much in them either side. And I had a microwave in the middle. But then again, if they made the top lockers too big on the XG, nobody would buy an XG+. Plus. So I could kind of see the logic there. But it was really well put together. They've got that extra space in the cab because the cab's deeper than any other one. Because DAFs is the first new cab that's been able to take advantage of revised EU regulations to get a bit of extra length out of it. So you've got all this space behind the seats, you've got a bigger bed. And that wide area really does make a difference. It's like there's so much activity space in it. Yeah, the bed, the electric bed that raises itself up. Uh, so I say it had the microwave, it had a fridge, it had the, the DAF quality stereo system with a big subwoofer behind it, which was absolutely banging. Uh, it does seem to me, though, that DAF's electronic software is maybe a little bit glitchy still at the moment because it had this Android sort of Apple CarPlay thing where you connected your phone up to it and it would give you, like, Laurie SatNav and everything. And my Sony phone uh, wouldn't... It didn't. They didn't like each other. I could not get it to work properly in that respect. I could stream my music through it all, but I couldn't get full functionality out of it. And the, the trip computer was a bit weird as well. It kept telling me the truck was doing like 175 miles to the gallon. Um, I think it was doing about 10, but that, I'm not sure. And the other thing was it was severely under-calibrated as well, which is a big bugbear of mine. On the GPS, it was doing 54. When it said it was doing 56, it was, it was slow on the flat, which is uh, really annoying. Um, I don't I don't know how many trucks you've experienced that only do like 54 mile an hour, but it's one of the worst speeds to be doing because you can't get you've got to crawl past all the fleet boys doing 53, and you're getting overtaken constantly by everybody else as well. So even if it just did 55, it would be so much better. Ideally, trucks should do 56 because that's what they're supposed to. But nobody seems to calibrate them to do 56 anymore uh, in so many cases. Yeah, my uh, well, my CF that they dead on 55 so and they were all you know they're all about even somewhere around there but then uh for for a fortnight whilst i was still there i had uh it was a 450 actros and that was you know, reading night decay on the dash that was clicking between 53 and 54 and that uh, was uh, brutal. that was brutal that was painful yeah i can't i can't you know i mean uh, there might be guys listening to this podcast is sitting bumble about a 52 53 and everything and fair play to you like but it drives me up the wall I mean, because I'm at base, most trucks in Scotland will do 56, so they might do 56.9, you know, because of the distances plus, that they need to... Plus VAT. Yeah, 
Yeah, because of the distances that they need to cover. Same with guys in Cornwall and things as well. Because of the distance, you have to be chipping on. And when you've got a truck that does that, I don't know, it just seems so much easier. There's nothing worse than doing a 10-minute overtake past somebody, especially when you're in a top-spec truck. The worst one I had was the Scania 770S, because that was doing like 54.5. Most powerful truck in Europe, the world at the time. And it would, it would not come off the limit of, like, no matter what you had on it, it would rock it up staying more like you wouldn't believe. And, of course, I was getting overtaken by, you, you know, just all the fleet stuff of the day because it just wasn't quick enough. And it, I actually had a DAF CF once. It was only doing 53 when it said 56. And I took that into T French and got them to recalibrate it on the Tuesday because it was the long-geared version, which kind of comes as standard in the DAFs now, but they only go just over 1,000 RPM. Uh, and it could not hold 12 gear. So it depend, I, I don't know what these guys that run at really low speeds do, like your maritimes and things, because they must be specking the, I don't know, they must be specking the next diff ratio down, because if you want to run at that speed, you can't run at the 56 mile an hour diff, because it'll never be able to hold it. The really curious thing about this XG that I had that week, I think it had the DAF performance software in it, because... But it was so responsive and it pulled so well and it was also had the diff that sat at 1200 RPM on the limiter. So this thing had power to spare. It was amazing. It, it felt like it had like an eye shift in it. I mean, I know the tracks and gearbox all comes down to what software you've got in it. But that was far and away the most responsive and best driving DAF that I've had since a Euro 5 510 manual. And obviously you can control it yourself then. It went so well. And it was just, I never used manual mode once. I never had to take it out of the eco mode once. It just did everything perfectly. And you could be lighting the throttle and it was picking up the gears. And it didn't have adaptive cruise on it. didn't. I had adaptive cruise, but it didn't have predictive cruise. So it would never knock the power at the top of the hills. And it very rarely eco rolled. I was looking in the menus to see if eco roll had been switched off, but it didn't have an option to do it. It would just hardly ever do it. So, I mean, overall, this DAF was just a fantastic thing to drive and live with and everything. I'm guessing it's got walking floor tipping gear on it, so I reckon it might end up it might end up in the forests or something like that. So, you know, yeah, it was a revelation because this was a DAF. That, I mean, the cab was brilliant for when you're parked up and everything, but the whole layout of it, having the big flat area on the top of the dash, the big storage area in the middle, the pull-out tray, swiveling seats and everything, it was just brilliant overall. You know, I really really rated that truck in the way it had been specced, but the caveat to that is I really don't know how many people would actually ever get one of those, you know, because that's quite a specific bit of specification that you would have to do at the start, and I'm not sure, like, many of the DAF sort of sales teams or anything would push that sort of spec with a 1200 RPM diff, I don't know what the actual ratio is, and having that software, I refuse to believe that that was the eco software on it, because that thing was designed to pull heavy ass shit up hills at 44 tonnes, it was so good, yeah, so recommended, Got, I mean, heaven help us, if DAF actually puts an engine, in, I mean, the 530 engine is fine, but, you know, it is outgunned by some rivals these days, you know, Volvo's 440, Scania's 560, Iveco's 570, will outgun it. All in the same sort of class. So it'll be really in The MX-13, as I've mentioned before, it is an older engine and it's due to be replaced at some point. So it'll be really interesting to see what DAF comes out when they've got a real high output, you know, Euro 7, uh, going towards Euro 7 spec 13 litre. So yeah. Um, be interested to hear a bit, hear from anybody else who's got an XG, XG Plus about how you get on with it. Uh, if you've got one that's really, you know, grunty 
and uh, put, has a shorter set of gearing in it than the sort of standard one that sits at just over a thousand. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And well, next month, the only thing when I'm going out and driving trucks, it's a big um, undertaking because, especially if I'm driving for somebody in England, which I've done a couple of times because people have been quiet in Scotland for whatever reason. At least people that I know. So yeah, I've got a Scania 560S, but it, that entire rigging out the entire truck with all your stuff. Like how much stuff do you carry in your truck? You know, I've got I I, I carry enough. I've I carry tools and I carry stuff so I can you know wash myself at the side of the road if I can't get a bath and it's or a shower rather, and it's been hot. You know, I tell you, you you love your truck well rigged out. Yeah, yeah, it's got. I actually don't carry as much stuff as what most people would, but then I've somehow still managed to fill all the space that's in it. Yeah, you do. The, the bigger cab you've got, the more stuff you'll find to go and pile into it and fill it. <laughs> yeah. I know when I moved out of the version 3 into this one that I've got now, I was, you know, it was, it was like going into a ballroom. It's like, look at all this space I have. And it's like, now I, <laughs> hang on, I've, I've nowhere to put anything. How's this happened? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's always the same. Like, that, that daft just did the upper bunk in the back of it, which I don't mind because I just throw everything up there. Uh, with the lockers, it just looks tidier, I guess. But um, yeah. oh, I, in fact, I screwed up big time last week. I don't know if I'd mentioned this anywhere or that, but yeah, I took all my equipment with me. But I got down on the Monday night because I only started on the Tuesday morning because the truck arrived on the Monday at Broughton Transport. Got down there, met Bob Beach there, moved the fifth wheel back uh, forward because it was too. It was like an American-style gap on this thing. I was like, I'll just leave it where it is. And then I looked at it, and it was, it was like the gap between the tanker and the unit and the rubber ducks truck and convoy. That's how much of a gap was on this thing. So I was like... Mm, yeah, your Susie's Su- 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 wouldn't reach. Oh, yeah, they were well stretched out. Like, it looked it looked cool. I love that. Like, I'm in a massive gap between the headboard and the trailer. But I was like, no, nah, I can't leave it at that. So we did move it forward a bit and got it set as well as we could do. And then about sort of five to ten at night, I was like, oh, I'm sweating. I'm going to go for a shower. And at the Broughtons have got a shower at the yard. I was like, I'll just go and get some clothes. And I was like, where's my suitcase? Yeah, it was sitting in my bedroom. So I had everything else with me, but I had literally no clothes and no towel. I had all my toiletries and everything. So I was like, uh-oh. So looked around. All the bloody super... Most of the supermarkets in England shut at 10 o'clock. In Scotland, they're open till like midnight or like 24 hours. But thankfully, the Tesco at Trowbridge was open until midnight, had a clothing section. So I tore over there, got to there about quarter past ten. The clothing section is upstairs, and it shut at ten o'clock. So I was still stuck. I couldn't get any clothing. So then I had to go and... I was like, well, maybe they've got some displays on around the store. Maybe they've got something. So um, the only thing I could find initially was the pride display which was like, you know, rainbow unicorn and love shirts and all that kind of thing. So I was like, well, that, you know, I was like, well, it's not ideal, really, because Pride's been politicised this year, and according to the BBC, I'm a far-right extremist because I like my my owning a car and things like that. So I was nearly at the point where I had to go and buy some rainbow T-shirts because I didn't know when I would get back in, but thankfully I found the Father's Day display. So I got a Star Wars t-shirt, a Marvel Comics t-shirt, and a couple of pairs of Best Dad in the World pants and socks. So that kept me going for a couple of days. Thankfully it was warm and I just had my shorts. So that was one of my best screw-ups. And then I managed to get back into the Asda on the Wednesday and I got like a full complement of t-shirts and a normal clothing for the rest of the week. 
Have you ever left it? Have you ever forgotten anything stupid when you're away for a week? Yeah. Come back from a trip back along and then I uh, can't remember where I parked. I think it was like Penrith or somewhere. And then I thought, you know, I've had a good day. I've time time off. Go for a shower. Open the, open the side locker. I have everything. Uh, no towel. <laughs> I, I, had, I, had, I had a tea towel in, in my wash bag, but that, you know, it would have taken me a while to dry off with that. Uh, what do you do? I've had to dry myself with t-shirts before, like the clothing that I've worn that day I've had to use because I've forgotten towels before. Murder, like, murder. <clears throat> oh, I, I, t- I try to be so organised as well, but, you know. I think it was boiling last week, you know, it was like 30 degrees. The peak temperature I saw last week was 36 degrees, and I don't mind the heat too much, but it was genuinely hot a couple of nights in the cab. You know, the, the, hey, Bob Beach said to me, he says, it's got nighttime aircon, and I was at your beauty. And it did have the thing that lit up and everything like that, but it wasn't blowing cold air at night, so it just ended up blowing warm air, so that was that. You got any cab cooling at the night and that thing? You got iPart cooler in it? No, I haven't, unfortunately. She's, no. uh... Yeah, it's a, ra- it's a rare uh, luxury to have that. I think it's coming in a little bit more on the newer trucks, in part because they've got these fancy night heater systems that use the coolant... Uh, in the truck to sort of heat you a lot of the time as well. But yeah, you, you, you're in a fortunate position if you've got nighttime aircon in, in, in the summer, you know. Uh, so it was a kind of hot and it was kind of hot week in that respect. And of course, you're sweating through your clothes. So you need a full kit out, you know, every day. It's not like in the in the winter where, worst case scenario, you could get away with wearing your T-shirt a couple of times. Not, not in this weather. Yeah, I'm not, not really one for cold weather, but at least... At least in winter, you can knock the heater up a couple of bars. But when it's when it's like this, then there's only so much you can do. Because everybody's aircon's so important in trucks now now as well. You know, it's such a much a standard thing, and people are more apt to maintain it now. A few years ago, when the aircon broke, people wouldn't care. That would be the end of it. You know, that'd be you're done. It's not going to happen. But anyway, anyway, moving on. Final chapter of this particular podcast, because aside from you driving this Volvo full-time, you're also pretty passionate about classic trucks and also tractors as well. Um, now, you want to tell people your story with sort of retro trucks and things because you've owned a couple of them now, haven't you? Yeah. Well, this was one of the uh, two o'clock in the morning looking on uh, looking on eBay things that uh, you, know, you just sort of think, that's cool to own, and then you end up you end up buying it, and then it's like, hang on, what do I do with this? Mm-hmm. But... Uh, a friend of mine, he's got a in an E series, an E10, and I had, a, I had a quick go in it, and I thought, oh, this is quite cool. I'd like to have one, and that spurred nearly a year of looking for the the right one. Like I didn't, I didn't want to settle for something. I wanted the right one, and then mm-hmm. the right one come up. I rang the guy on the Thursday, and he says, oh, I have a guy coming to look at it today. So, so I thought, oh, well, it's as good as gone. Because if you're going to look at, it was a this was an EC10, the uh, the green one. You remember the green one that I had. Yeah, yeah. So the slightly, yeah. yeah, the slightly more modern. These are ERFs, people. Well, I guess everybody listening yeah. to this knows that, you know. So yeah, the E series was made up until sort of like 1993, and then you had the EC, which came after that. So what was four by two tractor unit? Yeah, it was a four by two flat roof sleeper EC10 with a with a twin splitter in it, and then, uh, well, like I said, the guy, the guy said he had a, someone come and look at it on Thursday. So I thought, you know going to look at something like that and as nice as it was you know if you know what you're looking at you're going to get it but then yeah. then uh, i got well i got up early on purpose on the friday morning when the guy opened and the advert was still up so i rang him and he says uh, and he says oh no the guy never showed up 
and I was scheduled to go look on Saturday, and I says, "No, I'm. I'll see you in an hour." He was. It was only in Lincoln. Yeah. So uh, I uh, bombed bombed down there. Had a quick look round it. Went went for a drive. He asked me if I could drive a manual truck, and I said, "Well, we'll find out shortly." But I mean, there's and, a difference between there's a certain difference between driving a synchromesh manual truck and an Eaton twin splitter. You know, that's two different <laughs> things entirely. <laughs> yeah. Well, I well I managed it eventually. Yeah, yeah, the... I mean, it's you know, it takes a little, it takes a little bit of practice. You know, if you if you're into it, you know, if this is if you're like this is something that I want to do and get better at it, you'll pick it up. If you're something that's like, oh God, no, this is awful, then you probably won't because your brain's not going to allow you to learn that. Yeah. So uh, yeah, went went down, had a quick run in it, and then uh, well, so when we got going down the road, I got the first couple of clean shifts in, and it had the had the big Hadleys on the roof with the pull chain, and you know, once I pulled that, it was as good as sold. All trucks so. by law should have. Upright exhaust stacks, CB radios, and horns that are pulled with a chain from the roof. In my opinion, yes, I, I have two of those things on the on the one I one I own now. <laughs> so that oh, was uh, your first one, an EC. That was an EC10. That's a coming. Was that Cummins L10 engine? Is it? Yeah, that was an L10 350. It was uh, it was the fancy one. It was the Select with the with the computer controls in it. Right. And, and well, it had it had cruise control in it. Well, it didn't have cruise control when I bought it. I. Uh, it had the wiring in it, and I went down went down to see the uh, the main man John Dolson, who oh, yeah, you know, Mr. If, Mr. It's not, if he doesn't know about ERFs, it's not worth knowing. And uh, he uh, he had a spare couple of switches, and he mapped the cruise control in it for me. Oh, nice! So, so that was a that was a nice thing. When did you, so when did you get hmm. that? Did you just have it as a tractor unit to begin with? Yeah, I uh, I didn't actually do a right right a lot with that. I mean, uh, you know, you know, shunted a couple of trailers around the yard with it when I when I was bored, but then uh, I didn't. Didn't do a right lot with it, and then uh, uh, yeah, another a guy I know with uh, who's got who's currently got a, an old steamroller. He needed a unit to pull his steamroller about, and I uh, I uh, found the one I have now. I found this very nice EC14 for sale. It's like, well, if you have mine, I quite fancy this EC14. Then we've both mm. got a truck. Oh, so you did a kind of swap deal? Yeah. So, yeah, so how does the EC14 compare to the E10 spec wise and things? Yeah, uh, well, it's the set. The same cab, although it's the uh, it's the older style, the oh, older style dash in it. So oh, it hasn't the got the dash, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got the it's got the handbrake in the middle of the floor rather than on the dash. Yeah, which I trip over every time. <laughs> and uh, yes, uh, yeah, fourteen liter. It's the old style big cam, so it's only a three forty. Although it's that's been screwed to four hundred, which you know, give, gives it a good bit of go. It can you oh, can chase along with you can chase along with modern traffic still. Mm. And. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's got a nine-speed road ranger in it. It's only a four over four. This one, although it although it has got three-stage jakes on it, which are mm. which are just enormous fun. Stack. Yeah, yeah, it's got a single stack coming out the passenger side. Nice. I mean, mm. they're quite rare. Those those EC fourteens, they kind of died out a lot. But they didn't die out. A lot of them were exported. I think eh? people were, they were well sought after from their engines. Uh, yeah, like abroad. So, uh, uh, so they they didn't make those angled angled dash ones like the Mark One ECs for very long, but um, yeah, some people prefer that dash layout to the sort of later one with a big hump in the middle. But I was I was always, I was always impressed any EC that I got into as to how like refined it was. I was expecting obviously it's always been quite nice ones that I've got in because of like magazine featured trucks and that. But I was always like you know these are all right. You could go and do a week's work in one of these if you wanted to. You know. Yeah, I mean, th well, this one's quite nice inside, although it is a it is a bit of an oddball because it's uh, 
well, it it come out it come out of the air force, so it hasn't really done a lot. Like it's it's a it's got a genuine hundred and three thousand kilometers on the clock. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I had a, I, I got a good find with that one. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that yeah, that'll outlast you then. In that case, <laughs> outlast all of us. Hey, yeah, that's uh, not bad. I've well, I've actually just recently got back from a from a festival with it. I uh, took me two tractors up to up to Tractor Fest at Ripon, and went you know went up on the Friday, come back on the Sunday night, and yeah, you know, like I say, it can it can chase along with modern traffic still. I mean, hasn't got crews, which is annoying, but you know, it yeah. Is. But I mean, like, the, the good thing, the, the trucks are at their best when you've got a trailer on them. When I was bobtailing about with my Foden and that, I've always felt like I, I really want a trailer on the back of it, eh? Because that's the thing. And if you've got a bit of a load on it, then you've got the truck working as well, working uh, as well. So have you got? Have you bought a trailer for it as well? Yeah, uh, yeah. The uh, well, the, the same guy who I sold my EC10 to, he also bought a new, new little loader to go with his. So I says, well, I'll, if you're having my truck, I'll have your trailer then. Now we've both got a setup. It's a it's an old it's an old Tascal loader with the knockout single back axle. So, mm-hmm. which it's a bit of a thing to use when you're by yourself, but with help, it's not so bad. Ah, so you do, have you had to do a lot of work on the trucks? Do you do like mechanical work on them? I always struggled doing mechanical work on trucks because I don't really have the tools, and I'd usually just struggle getting the wheels slack in the first place <laughs> before I did anything else. That would be me. I was tired and done for the day once I got the wheels off. Yeah, I mean, well, I. Well, I try and do what I can myself, but then uh, my well, my brother help my brother my brother Aaron helps me helps me out a lot when he's not giving me directions to here there and everywhere. Yeah, is he a driver he's, as he's, well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He works with us, and he he started on tippers as well. So when I worked on the grain, he gave me directions to every farm in North Yorkshire, and then coincidentally every mill in in Lancashire. Oh, it's always handy if you've got somebody experienced on hand to get directions from. That's worth its weight in gold. Yeah, spent many a yes. time on the phone to people getting directed into places. It didn't make it easy for you. Yeah, I know. I know. It's a. Uh, it's well. It's to the point when I'd either ring him or ring mm-hmm. ring me dad. It's like, oh uh, yeah, where are you trying to get to now? Like the one answer with hello. It's like, right, where are you? Where do you need to get to? Yeah, so handy because I'll so, tell you what. I found it out last week. Well, I know this anyway, but I got hit with it last week between the amount of bloody weight limits about the place now. Tell you what, I went into a place called Bird Brothers, which is just off the. Um, A1, sort of a bit south of the A14 cut-off. It's not that far from um, St. Neot, if I'm pronouncing yeah, that right. And yeah, St. Tra- Neot, that's a bit of a minefield round there. I looked at my I looked at my lorry map, and it was too late to phone them. They wouldn't answer their phone or anything like that. I spoke to Toby at Broughton's. Nobody had been there before. So I tried to get direction, tried to work my way in. So I looked at my map and all the logical ways to go in down B roads and everything. And I was like, right, well, try this, 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 and this. Weight limit, weight limit, weight limit, weight limit, weight limit, to the point where I actually ended up rounding the A6. And then I ran out of time for the day. So I parked on a lay-by in the A6 for the night. And then I was on the phone to Bob and we tried to suss it out. And my lorry map, I need to go and get a new lorry map because that one's 2019 and it's obviously vastly out of date now because none of those weight limits were on it. The only way in was an hour back round the other side. And even at that, when I went in, it said 18 tonnes except for loading. And I don't know if there was any other way I could have gone in there without hitting a weight limit, you know, of some sort. If it says except for access, except for loading, I'm like, fill your boots, go for it, you know. But even at that, my anxiety was like pinging driving into this because we're going to a place called Kim Bolton, which has got a really tight bend in it. And it's got a sign saying no car transporters, which dates back to the days when car transporters had the peak on them. 
so they couldn't get round. And I did get in all right in the end, although it was a massive commuter rat run. It was a, a dick of a thing, but having somebody who'd been there before to direct men would have been great. I don't know if I would have had to go down to Bedford and come up from Bedford up one of these B roads to get in. I, I don't know, but that way it worked anyway. It was a, yeah, it was a pain, total pain in the arse. And the thing is, there's no signs telling you what you can do or helpful signs a lot of the time. It's just signs telling you what you can't do. And it's it, they, they don't make it easy for lorry drivers. Or these. And a lot of these roads are fine to use anyway. It's just political speed limits because people don't want nasty, horrible lorries coming down the road. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, had to, I, I had to break through one of them back along when I was going back up from Stevenage on nights and um, well, I'm glad I didn't have a double decker on because I'd have pruned a few trees off but I, I got I made it oh god I was tree pruning as well because I ended up in some B roads out by Peterborough as well and I don't know how I ended up out on them but I did heading towards was it oh I can't remember then it's some other posh place but I ended up in about 15 miles of B road to get to there to eventually pick up the uh, motorway in fact that was prior to being unable to get through all the weight limits so I was stressed out and it was clearly obvious that no lorries used that road because by God, I had a 14-4 trailer on and by God was I pruning the trees like I was wrecking the place and I was like, well, I'm perfectly entitled to drive down this road, it's not my stupid fault the council doesn't maintain the roads Yeah, and then, then you go up top side of Scotland where you think where you think this should have a weight limit on it but it doesn't Oh, some of the A roads in the north of Scotland, you go, oh, this is an A road and it's a single track road with passing places on it, you're like, holy shit <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You're a bit, you're being nice and steady about it, and then there's a local guy behind you trying to get you out of the way because he wants yeah. to go flat out down it. Oh yeah, I, re- I remember one night I was doing Kingspan up to Kinloch Berve, which is a well-known place because that's where Kinloch Berve fish selling come from. And I probably should have went up by Ullapool, I think, but I went this other way because it was an A road with single track places, and it was dead. And I'm thinking, shit, if I meet a lorry on this, this is going to be absolute mayhem. And of course, in the absolute middle of the night, in the middle of nowhere, I see the spotlights and the distance coming over, and I was like, uh-oh. Yes. And I actually, I slowed right down, and I actually met him at not too bad a point. It was one of Stevens of Wick lorries. And I was oh, like, yeah, I know them. Yeah, yeah, I was like, oh my God, I've met you in the middle of nowhere. And we actually ended up sitting in the middle of this aero, the two of us having a conversation for 10 minutes. The two trucks side by side, not another single bit of traffic came along there the whole time. And I was like, ah, am I supposed to be in this road? And he was like, yeah, you'll be all right, but... Thankfully, we both noticed each other because there were points on that road where if you met each other, you'd have been backing up for a mile. You know, it was just nuts. Fun in, you know, fun, fun in games and lorries and that, that you know. But uh, yeah, um, we are. what time are we on now for this podcast? We are on 50 minutes, so that's about the perfect time for the podcast. It's been fantastic to finally get you on. As I say, I'm looking to get some new regular guests on. I need to catch up with Cameron as well. Hopefully I get maybe Sam Clayton back on. If I can catch up with Paul, who's in Australia, we'll definitely do it. But uh, thanks for listening in, everybody. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and being patient. We've finally been able to get on here, Niall. That's been awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, so, no bad. But, yeah, enjoy- you know, if, we can, if we can find a date again, we'll do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, enjoy your time up in the north of Scotland, and I shall catch up with you guys uh, again soon. All right. Cheers. Take care, man. Thanks. All right, you as well. See you after. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. 
special guest on the Truck and Driver podcast today. It's Alistair Valens from Transport News, who's going to be telling you a bit about the upcoming Northern Rewards. Right, thanks, Dougie. Yeah, it's, uh, it's actually very exciting. Transport News Northern Rewards is actually based on the very successful Transport News Scottish Rewards presentation breakfast held every one of the last 29 years in Glasgow, the Crown Plaza Hotel in Glasgow, which is filled to overflowing with road haulage luminaries north of the border. Now, what we're trying to do is emulate that in Manchester. Uh, This will be the third year that the Transport News Northern Rewards will have taken place, and we are expecting 240 members of the road haulage industry to be present for the full English breakfast and uh, we'll have musical entertainment but of course the highlight of whole exercise is the 15 categories ranging from the haulier of the year in the north of England to a uh, lifetime achievement etc etc and of course the livery competition which is a highlight of the event both in Scotland and at Manchester. Now talking about liveries The great thing about the north of Britain is, and this is what Transport News is all about, we are everything north of the M62. And in Scotland it's a no-brainer. Liveries are fundamental to the road haulage industry in Scotland. Not quite the same in the north of England, but an awful lot better than the Midlands, that's for sure. So we're, well if you want, we're bringing that on a bit. We are trying to encourage uh, better liveries more to play for in the north of England now, because you see if you look at the two separate markets but we include it as one market as I said earlier but the two separate markets Scotland well just to show you the difference in size north of the border there's one traffic commissioner south of the border in the north of England we have two one in each side of the Pennines so that gives you an idea it's a massively bigger market in the north of England than in Scotland, and this is also reflected in the fact that the number of dealers uh, both sides of the border is increasing, uh, much greater increased south of the border, uh, particularly around the Manchester uh, area, which is coaching with truck dealers. So this is a natural that the Manchester event should really take off, and it's getting there, it's getting there better and better as each year progresses. Aye. Uh, to give you put you guys in the picture from a trucking driver point of view, the Scottish Rewards are a bit of an uh, institution up here. Tickets for it are like gold dust in the run-up to Christmas. I'm always getting asked by uh, hauliers, because it's basically a haulier-led event, and but it doesn't matter if you're running two trucks or if you're running 200. Uh, it covers all aspects of the industry, and there is always an award for strong liveries, and there are a lot of good ones out there in the north of England. We had Les Watson on the cover of the magazine recently. There's Alan Glenn Dinning in Penrith, to name just two off the top of my head that we've had in the magazine. So, yeah, it's basically... It's all about kind of celebrating haulage operations in the north of England. Um, and if it can grow anything like the Scottish one has uh, over the last three decades, it's sure to be a really big success. So what you want to do is check out the Transport News social media channels, check out the magazine to find out more about that. And the guys at Transport News are also launching their own podcast. So you've got some extra content to listen to from Road Transport Media. Yeah, Diggy. But uh, just a wee bit of historical fact here, which might be quite interesting for everyone. 
Way back when we started the Scottish one was 1994 and the IRTE exhibition, the truck exhibition, was next door to the Crown Plaza Hotel in the SEC in Glasgow. And the day before we had the morning breakfast, the Friday, uh, at the build-up to the show, I was on the Renault truck stand and the chap, the PR fellow from Renault at the time, Robin Dickinson, said, asked us, who is it you've got presenting the awards? And we said, well, Tommy Robertson, who was uh, my deputy editor at the time, and myself, we <laughs> looked at each other and said, well, we're just going to do it ourselves. One, one would do one, the other would do the other. And he says, well, look, you might want to use this uh, young up-and-coming Formula One driver we've got here. He's on to do a presentation in our Renault stand, but I'm sure if it, he'll stay overnight and do it. And this young Formula One driver was none other than David Coulthard. So he presented the first awards. Yes, uh, which was just fantastic. Of course, he became legendary. Yeah. Uh, and indeed, the event has become legendary. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we're hoping that that will be emulated in Manchester in the years to come. Yeah, because of course you've got a present. You've always had a couple of really good presenters for the awards. You've had um, who? Who was the chap that uh, did it? It was Des and Des Clark. Des Clark and, and um, Mary and from had Mary Rhodes. Mary Rhodes for many years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But then Carol Smiley has now taken on that role of Mary's. Uh, so and Des, it's quite funny actually because uh, where the SEC and the Crown Plaza are sited. Uh, both Des and Carl Smiley live more or less round the corner in flats, so it's they are, they are so local people to the event. It's uh, quite incredible. Yeah, it's usually pretty funny. Usually, you get a monologue from them and quite a bit of interplay between them. And uh, yeah, there's always like a um, traditional Scottish breakfast in the morning, and then once the awards are over, everybody piles into the bar for some uh, some pint. In pints, pints uh, indeed. It becomes uh, what we now call a trade day. Uh, and uh, I always remember, uh, I started years ago on my parting words at the event, a safe journey home, whenever that may be. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, people tend to stay out in Glasgow for the whole day as well, but it is, it's a who's who of the Scottish Hollis industry Yes. Uh, there. Do you have somebody presenting the awards at the Northern one? Has that been finalised yet? Is it still we, in progress? We, no, it's, well, we have Scott Burton, the comedian, who right. will be on one podium. And uh, we have got one of the uh, the top uh, uh, radio and television, the lady presenters from the northwest of England, who's just about to sign the dotted line, so I can't just name her at the moment. But uh, she'll be along, and uh, I'm certain she will be there. Uh, so that'll be fun. Uh, we'll have a musical mm -hmm. interlude with String Fever. We've got audience participation in the, the uh, livery uh, competition, Picking the Livery. There'll be a top table draw uh, where the prize is a thousand pounds in ten one hundred pound vouchers for everyone at that table uh, to win. Uh, so it's all exciting stuff. Now the thing that I'm getting organised just now, conscious of the fact, as I mentioned earlier, there are a huge number of dealers, truck dealers in the north of England. So I am writing to them all and suggesting that they get their sales teams together round for a cup of coffee around a table and they nominate from the nominations list on the Transport News website, they can see the 15 categories, nominate their suggested customers and you never know, mm -hmm. they, they might be at the, they might be, be successful and be presented on the morning. And of course these dealers can actually 
buy a table of 10 themselves and bring their customers along as well. And a table of 10 is a thousand pounds plus that. You know, uh, a full breakfast included, it's a giveaway. Yeah. But they, uh, yeah, well, I mean, that's what you, well, that's how you, how you want to work it, really. To any guys who are running trucks listening to this, go and speak to your dealer and tell them that you want to go to this and get them to book the table and get yourself nominated for some categories as well. Because you do see a lot of the Scottish companies, you might see it up here where they've got the stickers on the lorry which says Scotland's top haulier or Scotland's environmental haulier of the year. And these stickers end up staying on the trucks for many, year, many years after it. People don't take them off again. So yeah, uh, just to round that off, what is the date for this event and how do you go and apply for it? Right. Well, the, all the information is on the Transport News website and if you go to Northern Rewards on the nav bar, You've got it. You've got everything you need. But just to confirm, of course, it's Friday the 6th of October at the Mercure Piccadilly Hotel in Manchester. And it's an 8.45 for 9.30 a.m. kickoff. Coffee's on arrival and then straight into a full English breakfast and then the show is on. Fantastic. Oh, well, thanks very much for your time, Alistair. My pleasure entirely, and all the very best to you and Truck and Driver going forward. Yeah, cool. Thanks for that. October the 6th, Manchester. Get it in the diary. Look it up. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening to the Truck and Driver podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To keep up to date with the latest news, 100% for drivers, visit truckanddriver.co.uk, where you can also subscribe to the print edition of Truck and Driver magazine, which publishes on the last Friday of every month.